Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, we continue our study through the New Testament, and we're just going to kick off here in verse 1. Therefore, now, I say we're going to kick off in verse 1, but, you know, this is pretty loaded because if you remember our study last week in chapter 1, in chapter 1, verse 2, God speaks by his son. In chapter 1, verse 2, God speaks by his son. Now, we understand that Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is who the prophets say he is. Jesus is who the apostles say he is. And these are things that are established in, I mean, not just in, in, in chapter one, but I meant, you know, all over scripture. But, you know, and, and that's what is being said here in Hebrews chapter one. And so now we get into Hebrews chapter two. And it's like, since we have that backdrop. Now, remember also in chapter one, verse four, that he is better than the angels. And then in verse three, in chapter one, verse three, how he has purged our sins. Now, this is the belief of the saints, Jew or Gentile. People always say, well, Hebrews is for the Jews. But remember in Christ, there is no Jew nor Gentile. That's from Galatians chapter three, verse 28. In Christ, no Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, female, that's in Christ. Now, outside of Christ, there is, but we're not outside of Christ. The remnant is not outside of Christ. In Christ, there is no Jew, Greek, slave, free, male, female, rich, poor. We're one in Christ. Now, therefore, we get into Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verse 1. Therefore, so, you know, therefore, it's loaded, but it is written, therefore, we must, we must give the more earnest heed. And I love this so much because we see that, you know, we must give the more earnest heed, but we're not just talking about, it's not just heed. It's not just earnest heed. It's more earnest heed. Now, in the Greek, it's very interesting because, you know, this translates as, you know, ex- to, to, to give exceedingly more attention, regard, and application. But understand, all through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, and even today, this is a choice. This is a choice. I mean, for example, in a church setting, say you and me, we're sitting in church. Now, in a church setting, who is it in a church that is giving attention? You see? Does that apply to 100% of the population inside of the church? The answer is no. And who is it that is having regard for the word of God? Is it 100%? Now, I would love for it to be 100%, but it is not 100%. Now, who is it that applies the word of God to their life? Is it 100%? I would love for it to be 100%, but it is not 100%. A hundred percent. And I don't say that like in jest, like, you know, like I don't speak loosely and be like, well, you know, not a hundred percent applies the word of God. Not everybody has attention for the word of God. Not everybody regards the, the word of God. I don't say that like, you know, just like, you know, to gloss over it like it's no big deal. It's a huge deal, but it's also a sad reality. Old Testament, New Testament, and even today, who is it? Who is it that gives attention to the word of God? that has regard for the word of God? And who is it that applies the word of God to their life? But now we're going to stretch it a little bit further. Who is it that does that 
exceedingly more. You see? And that's what verse 1 says, that therefore we must give the more earnest heed. Now, where is this scene? Where is this scene? We have to look at the fruit, observe the fruit. Mr. Popular, very little, if any. Mrs. Popular, very little, if any. You see? Now, you, you look at the fruit. I'll tell you a good rule of thumb. The ones who are hated the most, those are the ones that I like. <laughs> the ones that are hated the most, those are the ones that I like. You look at the fruit. Somebody says, oh, you know, she's such a legalist. Look, she, she doesn't want to do crack with me. She doesn't want to drink with me. She doesn't want to do this. Like, well, okay. Who is she? I want to meet her. She's probably like good to go. You see? Oh, don't mention, don't listen to this guy. He's so stupid. He's so mean spirited. He's this, he's that. Okay. Who is he? I want to meet him. He's probably good to go. You see? And that's a good rule of thumb in these last days. Because who is it among the saints? Remember, what's so beautiful is that we have this backdrop of these studies that we've had through the epistles written by beautiful, beautiful brother Paul. And we have this backdrop. Now, remember the church of Corinth. Now, the church in Corinth had a lot of issues. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, you know, they're saints. Paul said, you, you guys are saints. You guys are saints. He doesn't say, oh, you're not Christian. He says, you guys are saints. And then you get into chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, okay, but you guys are babies. You guys are saints, but you guys are babies. And then you get into 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and then there's the separation. Boom, there's separation. Identify the, the leaven and the remnant, and the remnant has to separate from the leaven. You see? And then you look at the leaven, or you look at the remnant, and among the remnant, who is it that, you know, well, you look at the church before the separation, who is it that gives attention to the word of God, who has regard for the word of God, and who is it that applies the word of God, and who is it that does that exceedingly more? I mean, Chloe is a perfect example. Not only does she have attention for the word and regard for the word and application of the word, but exceedingly more. Chloe is not like the average bear. She has a good teacher. You see, beautiful, beautiful Chloe, little home fellowship and those in her household. You see, Chloe is a perfect example of this, that, that, that there's a, not just Chloe, but those in her household, attention for the word of God, regard for the word of God, application for the word of God, and not, not just, you know, run of the mill, exceedingly more. You see, picture what might have been said of Chloe back in the day. Oh, don't go to Chloe. She just said, you know, a little tiny fellowship, just a bunch of women, you know. They're just ladies. They're just women. No big deal. We're, we're the men. We're hardcore. We're the tough guys. We're so awesome. But when you understand the formula, you're like, wow, show me Chloe. I want to meet Chloe. She's probably a beautiful sister in Christ. I, I want to see the fruit, the, 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 the gifts of the spirit. You know, where is she? You see, it's so beautiful when you understand formula. And we have this backdrop of the, the, the not just the epistles and letters to the church, but then epistles and letters to uh, uh, the pastoral epistles. 
you see and just in my experience a good rule of thumb is you know the ones who are hated the most those you know that's usually where it's good were the ones who are hated the most because the ones who are hated the most oh she's such a legalist he's such a legalist and then like what's legalist about him what's legalist about her well, she doesn't like to drink. She doesn't like to drink Chablis. We go out for pasta. She doesn't like her Chablis. Well, what's wrong with the guy? Well, you know, you know, I, 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 get, I, get, I get baked every now and then. I take my, my edibles. I do my, you know, CBDs. I get a little sore back. So I'm going to do my CBD, do my oils and all this stuff. And, you know, he's not down with that. He's not down with the edibles and all this stuff. Okay. Sounds good to me. Who is the guy? I want to meet him. You see? Well, she doesn't want to get drunk with you? Oh, it sounds good to me. Where is she? I want to meet her. And so the writer here, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Now, remember Romans 10, faith comes by hearing, but it's not just hearing anything. Faith comes by hearing what? Like, uh, uh, you know, self-esteem. You know, does, does, does faith come by self-esteem? No, does faith come by, uh, 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 you know, from, you know, like a, 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 a TED talk? No. Faith comes by hearing, but hearing by the word of God. Hearing by the word of God. Now, remember, there are the effectuators. Now, if you're listening for the first time, make sure purpose in your heart to listen to those studies in the, uh, 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 you know, how to grow and mature in Christ and then also the pastoral epistles because you'll understand all about the effectuation and the effectuators. You'll understand all about it. Now, understand that these effectuators, sound doctrine, sound doctrine and then you know obedience to uh, to sound doctrine and then the effectuators continue to expand and then you get to you know the power and the gifts of the holy spirit and then you see the fruit of that where you see ecclesia koinonia love feast it's very important to understand these the things that we have heard, it is written in verse 1. But, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing not TED Talk. You see? Not a little, you know, uh, uh, you know the, uh, the somebody who just likes to, you know, a little pep rally. No, it's hearing by the word of God. Now, you know, the writer here in verse 1 says that we must, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Very interesting what this says here. Lest we drift away. Now remember, this is in the body. Lest we drift away. Now, this is impossible. Impossible. According to Calvinism, this is impossible, but Calvinism is unbiblical, you see. And as a cover up, what happens as a cover up to prevent the exposure of false doctrine, the learned, I'm doing my air quotes, the learned class, the religious establishment, then they start to come up with, you know, uh, well, you know, Hebrews is for the Jews, you see. And so the false brethren stay concealed to do their wicked bidding. But the remnant, they understand. And so wait a second, you say Hebrews is just for the Jews, but in Christ there's no Jew nor Gentile. So, you know, how do you reconcile that? You see? 
It's so beautiful to to be equipped with the Word of God and with the equipping and in the equipping of the Word of God, you and me together, we can fight the good fight of faith. Because anybody can say, well, you know, the book of Hebrews that's written to uh, the Jewish believers, that's written to the Jews, so Gentile believers, we don't need to heed any of that. You say, oh, it's for the Jewish believers. But it's very interesting. Now, understand that we know that in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, there is no Jew nor Gentile. Outside of Christ, there is. But that's outside of Christ. A place where you and me, we are not to be. We are to be inside of Christ. You see? Now, in the Greek, lest we drift away, in the Greek, it's very interesting how this word is defined because it's, you know, to carelessly pass or miss. Now, remember, sound doctrine is the sure footing, the sure footing, the solid ground. And carelessly passing or missing is the person. Now, I'll give you an example. Say you and me were in a raft and, you know, we're we're in a raft and, you know, we're we're having a fun time. It's a nice warm day. We're in a raft. We got some sandwiches. You know, everything's nice. But then we both drop our oars in the water. We have no oars. Okay, so we drop our oars in the water and for now, things are fine because the waters are calm. But, you know, several miles down the road or down the way, there's a big waterfall and it's it's not like a little tiny waterfall where you drop like two feet no it's a doozy it's the kind where like if we go over we're dead rocks and everything the whole nine yards now we're relatively safe right now because it's calm waters and but it's not to be taken lightly now in this example we have a rope and we make a lasso and you know i throw it over try to snag a a tree, a bush, a rock. I'm not successful. So you say, hey, give me a try. And so I, you know, here, you know, like, and you know, okay, now, you know, throw it now, now. And you miss the branch, you miss the rock and all these things. And then all of a sudden, it's okay, now. And you toss it and you lasso the stone. We've missed many. We've missed, we've missed many trees, many bushes, many rocks. But this one, you catch the stone, you lasso the stone. And we enter safety. You see? And that's how this word is used in the Greek. It's it's to carelessly pass or miss. Now, to carelessly pass or miss would be like, okay, like, we're not going to throw the rope over. You know, we're not going to throw the rope over. Or if we do, we're just going to toss it. Okay, we, we missed the branch. No big deal. Okay, we missed the rock. No big deal. We missed the stone. No big deal. And we're just, you know laughing okay you know we're, we're, we we've, we've done our effort we've tried so let's put the rope down and you know we have no oars and let's eat our sandwiches and meanwhile it's it started out slowly but we were slowly getting closer and closer and closer to that deadly waterfall you see and you know as you get closer the waters are getting more intense you know it's not white it wasn't white water like you know two hours ago it wasn't white water but now we're like an hour and a half deep and now all the white water, you start to see the cresting of the waves, a little more white water. And then all of a sudden, it's just like straight up treacherous. You see? And to go over into that waterfall, 
That's how this word is used, is to be, to carelessly pass or miss. You see, we've missed those stones. We've missed those branches. And, you know, maybe there were some branches like hanging over our heads and within arms, arms distance where we could have grabbed the, we could have grabbed the, the, the branch. You see, there was plenty opportunity for safety, but we were careless about it. We carelessly passed through, oh, no big deal. Let's just continue to, to laugh and joke and all these things. And let's eat our sandwiches and, you know, our chips and whatever it is. And our juice, we got our little juice boxes. But we're getting closer and closer and closer to that deadly waterfall. You see? And this is very important to understand because that's what happens. Drifting away. That's what happens. Remember in our, in our studies through the epistles, the sidesteps? How you and me, we walk on this narrow path, right smack dab in the middle of this narrow path. And then, you know, Satan attempts to tempt. He whispers and, you know, little sidestep left. Okay, you know, repent, sidestep right. Get back right back in the middle, smack dab in the middle. And then he attempts to seduce. Okay, sidestep left. And if there's no repentance, there's no returning to the middle of that narrow path, the next sidestep left is further away from that center. The next sidestep left is even further away. The next sidestep left is even further away. You see, in order to get in the center, there needs to be a sidestep right. Now, if it's, you know, sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep left, three times. That means three sidesteps to the right need to be made to get right back in the middle. You see? And sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep left, and multiple times over and over. It's like that waterfall example. Missed opportunities to be careless. Missed opportunities to sidestep right and get right back where we need to be in the middle of the narrow path. You see? Sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep left, 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 boom, fall. And Satan knows this. And this is this is how he operates. This is how he works. You see? And the remnant is aware of this. The remnant is aware of his schemes. You see? Lest we drift away, it is written in verse 1. In verse 2, For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, the, the, the word spoken is firm, stable, and sure, but notice what, what happens here. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, now, remember using the example where, you know, uh, you know, we, we were on the rock. Okay. Say you and me, we were in the raft and now we're, we, 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 we missed the branch. We missed the rock, but now you and me have made it to safe ground because you lassoed a big stone and you pulled us to safety. And now we're on this big, enormous stone. Well, to, to get close to the water, to get back in that situation, to get back in the water where, you know, a couple miles down the, down the way, there's a big deadly waterfall. Getting close to the water, that's like the sidestep left. Getting close to the water is transgression and disobedience. 
Now you get closer to the water, more transparent. You look, this is like the sidestep left. You get closer and closer. Okay, now it gets worse and worse. And then, you know, now you're in the water. Now it's, it's even worse. And now you're in the water to where your, your feet can't touch the ground. Now it's even worse. You get deeper and now you can't touch the bottom and now you just start to drift away. Now we're right back in that situation where, you know, now you gotta lasso. Lasso the, a branch, a stone, a rock. You gotta lasso something because remember, a couple miles down the way, there's that deadly waterfall. Do you remember, if you've been walking with us for a while, do you remember our study through Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy 28. In Deuteronomy 28, how it's much easier, much, much, much easier to turn around from freshly outside the city than to do so from Egypt. Now, if you're listening for the first time, purpose in your heart to listen to our study through Deuteronomy and Deuteronomy 28. It's much easier to turn around from the city than it is from Egypt. But notice what happens here. Look what happens here in verse 2. For if the words spoken through angels prove steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape? How is it? How shall we escape if, if we neglect so great a salvation? Whoa. Now, again, this is impossible according to Calvinism. You see? Because they would say, the Calvinists would say, the Reformed theology would say, well, it's impossible for a Christian to neglect salvation. Well, what about Hebrews 2? You see, and they formulate these ideas. Well, okay, well, what about Hebrews 2? Oh, that's for the Jews. You see? Oh, that's for the Jews. In Christ, it is written. There is no Jew nor Gentile. You see, oh, but that's for the Jews. And then you ask the question again, well, what about this one lady who, she was a Christian, she came to church, and she no longer comes to church, and sadly, it breaks my heart, but she's denied the faith. Oh, she was never a Christian. You see? She was never a Christian, they say. Now, in this example, I'm, I'm giving an example, but you know, we have real world examples of this. But in this example, both the lady and the Calvinist have neglected so great a salvation. You know why? Because in the Greek, how this translates, you know, if we neglect so great a salvation, it's to be negligent, careless, and having no regard. Where in the world are the pastors? Where are the pastors? Where are the pastors? Noun to pastor, verb. You see? Where are the shepherds? Noun to shepherd, verb. Where? And just like in Corinth, what do we see? The defunct shepherds. The defunct elders, defunct pastors. And if the blind follow the blind, both fall into a ditch. And so the writer here is saying in verse 3, how is it that we shall escape if we neglect so great a salvation? 
which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord. Now, remember, chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, God speaks by his son. And which at first here in verse 3, began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us. Confirmed to us by those who heard him. You see, confirmation by population. Uh, 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 the, 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 The biblical confirmation by population. Now, I say biblical because today people say, well, there's a lot of people here, so surely God is at work. Oh, this church has 500 people. This church has 5,000 people. This church has uh, 10,000 people. Surely God is at work. Now, in the early church, confirmation by population is completely understandable. Completely understandable because you have... You have Paul, you have Apollos, you have Peter, you have James, you have John, you have Luke, you have Chloe, you have Lydia, you have Priscilla, you have Phoebe. In the early church, confirmation by population is completely understandable. But today, you might see a church with 5,000 people, 10,000 people, a lot of people. But no Pauls, no Peters, no Chloes, no Phoebes. You see? But there's also confirmation by population according to the times. According to the times. And it is written that in the last days, there is no enduring of sound doctrine. A famine of the word of God. People say, oh, you're rubbish. There is no famine. There is no famine. Ask the remnant. Ask the remnant. Among the remnant, you know, where where do we go to fellowship? There's thousands of churches everywhere. Where can we go to fellowship? There's churches everywhere. Again, where can we go to fellowship? You see? Understand the times. These things were written. So that you and me can know the signs of the times, the seasons of the times. And so at the same time, we understand that, wait a second, Number in, in verse 1, lest we drift away. In verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? This is like, well, this is hardcore. Absolutely. It's very hardcore. You're talking about deadly waterfalls? Yes, don't drift away. And that is why in verse 1 we say, we see here that we must give the more earnest heed. You see? And so this salvation is confirmation of salvation in verse 3 by those who heard him. But it doesn't end there. There's more. Look at in verse 5 or in verse 4. God also bearing witness. So we see more confirmation. And how does that happen? Both with signs and wonders. Whoa. Now it is written, Matthew 16, verse 4, that it's a wicked and adulterous generation that seeks after a sign. Now, we don't believe in Jesus for a sign, nor do we seek a sign, nor do we have precursory demands for signs. But Signs and wonders happen. And it's a result of belief, 
faith and obedience. Look at this confirmation of salvation. And God bearing witness. Confirmation of salvation, confirmed in verse 3, confirmed by those who heard him, but then also in verse 4. This confirmation of salvation, it doesn't end just in the, the you know confirmation by population. No, God also bears witness both with signs and wonders. It's still not over. With various miracles, which is translates as manifold dunamis, which is manifold power, force, strength, mighty work, and we're still not over. When God bears witness and, in verse 4, gifts of the Holy Spirit. You see? Translates in the Greek as distribution of gifts by the Holy Spirit. And you have people today, oh, that was for 2,000 years ago. The gifts and the power and the moving of the Spirit that we see in the book of Acts, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today, says the blind fool. It's not for today, they say. That's nice. You see? If the blind follow the blind, both fall into a ditch. And notice what is written here. According to his own will. Very interesting what we see here. God's own will and determination. And that's what this is according to. I have a question for my Calvinist and Reformed friends. Just a simple question. Where you fellowship, where you fellowship, the place that you call your church home, does it not concern you that you don't see gifts of the Spirit? Does it not concern you? Because the Bible says, I mean, we're here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. The Bible says that God bears witness and confirms salvation. Notice it's according to his sovereign will. And he confirms salvation using gifts of the Spirit, miracles, signs, and wonders. And for my Calvinist friends, does this not concern you that you don't see this in your church? You see? Sometimes we say things about Calvinism and Reformed theology and Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness and, you know, the Catholics and, you know, all these it's it's not to it's not to be confrontational even though I mean sometimes it is can be confrontational. In one sense, I do want to confront you with the truth of God's holy word. And then from that point, okay, ball's in your court. Now you have a choice to make. Now you have a choice to make. If you're Calvinist, I say unto you, come out of her, my people. You Jehovah's Witness, I say unto you, come out of her, my people. Catholic, the same thing I say unto you, come out of her, my people. There is a better way. Jump ship. And welcome aboard. The Bible says here that God bears witness. Remember, in this salvation that we see in verse 3, the 
this salvation, which is at the end of verse 3, confirmed to us by those who heard him. But it's also confirmed in verse 4 by God bearing witness. And when he bears witness, you will see signs and wonders. You will see various miracles and you will see gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it is according to his own will as is written in verse 4. Oh, but that's for the Jews. What? Where is that in the Bible? You see? Oh, but that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. What? Where do you see that in the Bible? I'll give you the answer. You will not find that in the Bible. You see? Notice what is written here in verse 5. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak. Now, of course, the Bible teaches about conduct in this life and living in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord. It's very true. But understand that there is an ultimate destination. There is a world to come. There is a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. And in verse 5 here, for he has not put the world to come of which we speak. You know, very interesting. You know, sometimes, you know, today you, you, you listen to pastors. They call themselves pastors. They call themselves teachers. And you listen to them. And, you know, they teach about like, you know, like, you know, how, how to live in the world. You know, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, 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 which I get, you know, I, I, I understand but we're not, we don't study the word of God. We're not, we're not a, a, a people of the faith so that, you know, we can go to TED Talks, you know, and have, you know, an ecumenical type of, you know, lifestyle. There is an ultimate destination. And I'm not talking about the rapture of the church. A lot of Christians get so engulfed and entrenched with the rapture of the church, but there's more. I mean, once the rapture happens, I mean, there's, there's more. There's the millennial reign. There's Satan will be released again. There's there's a lot to happen. There's more. There is a world to come. A new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. Of which we speak. Now, there is conduct living in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord, which is beautiful. Remember the challenge from Leviticus? How we pose the challenge to start thinking of your life as an aroma before the Lord? And what aroma do you want to present? I mean, there can be, you know, like the yuck and the nast and, you know, funky. Or there can be the most beautiful, beautiful, sweet aroma unto the Lord. You see, conduct, becoming. But at the same time, understand that there is a world to come. Paradise. There is a destination. You see, remember Paul when he says, you know, hey, if this isn't the case, then we, uh, we are the most pitiable of men. But that's not the case. You see, Jesus Christ did die and he rose again. And there's a purpose. There is a world to come of which we speak. And in verse 5, that 
God has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels. You see? Notice the world to come is not in subjection to angels in verse 6, but one testified it in a certain place saying, now the writer here of Hebrews quote, uh, hearkens to David the psalmist. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. Now, do you remember our study through Galatians? Until the seed, until the seed, until the seed, born of a virgin, beautiful, beautiful Mary. Now, Mary is not to be worshipped. You see, Catholics, I love you, but repent and come out of her, my people. Mary is not to be worshipped. Born of a virgin, it's born in a manger. And then he had his earthly ministry. And he was made a little lower than the angels, as is written here in verse 7. But wait a second. Hebrews 1 verse 4 says he's better than the angels. So which is it? He's made lower than the angels here in verse 7. And Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4 says he's better than the angels. So what happened? Now, understand there is order. We serve a God of order. Notice what happens. You have crowned him with glory and honor. Now, remember, heavenly coronation, heavenly coronation requires death of the flesh. Don't forget that crowns await the saints. Remember, we we studied that in the pastoral epistles. Crowns await the saints. Verse 5 says that the world to come, that says of the world to come, that God has not put in subjection to angels that understand that they're in subjection to Jesus. Yes, he was made a little lower than the angels. But when he's crowned with glory and honor, he died. And then he was crowned. You see, he was mockingly crowned with thorns. You see? Remember Paul when he's speaking to the remnant of Corinth right after the separation from the leaven in 1 Corinthians, not chapter 4, not chapter 5, but chapter 6. And Paul says to the remnant, the fresh remnant, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, don't you know that we will judge angels? Don't you know that we will judge angels? You see, growth and maturity requires understanding and deeper understanding. And knowledge is a gift of the Spirit. And Paul says, don't you know these things? Don't you know that we will judge the angels? You see, saints should know these things. But the defunct cannot and will not Teach these things. The defunct pastors of Corinth, the defunct elders of Corinth, where in the world were they? Now, I don't mean like where were they, like, you know, in a a carnal sense, because in a carnal sense, they were there. But in a spiritual sense, where were they? You see, out to lunch, where were they? They had no business at the pulpit. 
as evidence in the fruit of Corinth. But then there's the separation, then you get into chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and then, you know, don't you know these things? Don't you know that we will judge the angels? You see? Very powerful because remember in verse 5 here in Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 5, that the world to come, it's, he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. You see? And so we see here still in, 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 in verse 7, you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. And then at the same time, and set him over the works of your hands. Remember, he's at the right hand of God. In verse 8, you have put all things in subjection, all things in subjection under his feet. Under his feet. Now, wait a second. You say, wait, wait, wait hold on. The question can be posed, wait a second, hold on. If all things are subject to him, why is the world such a mess? Why is it that the world is such a mess? I'll give you the answer. The biblical answer. Because the Calvinist Reformed will say, well, you know, God ordained all these things to, all these things to happen. But I'll give you the biblical answer. It's to fulfill to fulfill. But then there's more. Opportunity. So what are you talking about? Why is the world such a mess? And you say it's opportunity? Yes, I say it's opportunity. You know why? Because Jesus, Jesus, son of the most high, who was made a little lower than the angels and is better than the angels, he says, I tell you these things before they happen. So that when they happen, you might believe. When you hear us say opportunity, you might be like, what are you talking about? Why is the world such a mess? You say opportunity? Yes, I say opportunity. You know why? Because the opportunity is for you. It's for you to believe. It's for you to believe. Because the world being a mess... That's prophetic. Jesus said the world would be a mess. You see? And it's going to get worse. There's going to be a moment of peace, a brief moment of peace, but it will be fake, a false peace. So to answer, it's, it's for opportunity, which sounds crazy, I understand. But the opportunity is for you to believe. And I say unto you, repent and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if that's you, you're not a believer and you want to be a believer. Seize this opportunity for you to believe. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. You commit your life to Christ, you come back, you listen, and we mature and grow together. We continue on this journey together. We see here in verse 8, you have put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. You see? It's just like the house of Rahab. If you've been walking with us for a while, remember our study in, in, uh, in Joshua? And it, just like the house of Rahab where, you know, it was, you know, little, you know, a side note, 
in the lineage of Jesus. There's safety in her home. Safety in her home. Because of her own subjection unto the Lord. You see? Now, not so good for everyone else outside of her home. But for her and those in her home, there was safety. And so we see here in verse 8 that he put all things in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But understand, but now it is written. But now we do not yet. We do not yet see all things put under him. You see, not yet. Remember when, you know, if, if all things are in subjection under Jesus, why is the world so crazy? And you hear me say opportunity. And I, what, what do you mean opportunity? Because not yet. Yes, all things are in subjection under him, but not yet do we see all things put under him. Under, under him. And the reason is opportunity. Because God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. God loves you. God loves the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see? God sent his son not into the God sent his son not to condemn the world, but that the world through his son, through Jesus, might be saved. You see? And that is what is written. And just like, you know, God doesn't make robots. And just like we're with anybody, okay, ball's in your court. Ball was in my court. I chose to believe. Ball's in your court. Do you choose to believe? You see? And this is the way of righteousness. Not a TED Talk. You see, this isn't like, you know, like a, a, a pep rally. This is the way of righteousness according to the word of God. You see, there is subjection under him. But today, it's those who choose. All things under him, it just as written in verse 8. It's not yet. Not yet do we see thing, all things put under him. That day is coming. Remember, the government will be, will be on his shoulders. Prophetically speaking, Isaiah the prophet, and that's pending. Unto us a child is born, that's done. You see? That's done, that's fulfilled. Government on his shoulders, that's pending. But for you and me and all who believe, we choose our own personal form of government. Our own choices. It's in subjection to Jesus. Our own form of government. Because remember, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, to bring every thought, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Just like Jacob when he wrestled with God and after he wrestled with God, the Lord changed his name to Israel, governed by God. His own personal government. The way he governed self 
was in submission to the Lord. The way I govern self is in submission to the Lord. The way you govern self is in submission to the Lord. The world's going to hate it. The ungodly will hate it. But the Lord sees. You see? In verse 9, but we see Jesus. We see Jesus. And it says, verse 9 here, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory. Again, I say, heavenly coronation requires death of the flesh, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste. Now in the Greek, this is to taste, eat, and experience. Might taste death for everyone. You see? You say, wait a second, but everybody dies. Very true. But not everyone lives. The second death is removed from the saints. Death has no sting nor victory. Oh, death, where is thy victory? You see? Death has no sting nor victory. So, I want to say it's so incredible what God has done. But like a billion, trillion, infinity, you know, times infinity. Because it's so glorious what the Lord has done. And may you hear us say from time to time, jump ship, jump ship, jump ship. There is a better way. There is a better way. It's, it's not a TED Talk. It's not a pep rally. There is a purpose, there is a journey, there is a destination that is paradise. Paradise. And so we see here in verse 10, For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. You see, it's a straight up rescue mission in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect. You see? Now notice, this is consecration. To make the captain of their salvation perfect. This is translates as consecration and to complete and fulfill. It's, it's so holy. It's so holy. Notice, saints, saints, believers, you and me, we can consecrate and make holy the very one who does it unto us. That's hardcore. That's powerful. Now, how is this accomplished? It is written in verse 10, through sufferings. You see? The advent of Jesus. Not the first time. The second time. The advent of Jesus the second time. His return. His return. Is in the aftermath of suffering. A lot of suffering. I do not teach a pre-tribulation rapture. 
And the reason why is because it's not found in the Bible. Listen to our studies. They're, they're archived. Listen to our studies. They're archived. You know, that, that, uh, thewayunderground.com. Go there. They're archived. Listen to the studies on the rapture. You see? Sometimes, you know, in speaking to Christians, oh, you don't, you don't teach a pre-tribulation rapture? No, I don't. I've been called a servant of Satan. I've been called an evil worker. But it's not in the Bible. Consecration. We always think of consecration as the Lord unto us. You and me being consecrated, which is true, biblical, holy, and beautiful. But what about us? The consecration of Jesus Christ. And it is written in verse 10. That happens through sufferings. You see? Notice here in verse 11. There's no singularity here. For both, both, he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason, he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I, here am I and the children whom God has given me. You see, the children whom God has given me. In verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. And again, oh, death, where is thy victory? You see, you see how beautiful, how how good God is and what he has done, how he has made a way. And through death, you know, yes, Jesus was made a little lower than the angels and being made a little lower than the angels, how is it that he was exalted to be above the angels? You see, it was through his death. Obedience unto death. Remember the offer of Satan. Oh, look, all, all these kingdoms can be yours and they're going to worship you. It's all, it can be all yours. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. You see? That's it. That's, that's the alternative that was offered by all you got to do is bow down and worship me. You see? All these alternatives that Satan presents to the faithful. Alternative after alternative. There is a way of righteousness. And all these alternatives that Satan presents. Oh, look it over here. Oh, looky over here. Oh, check this out. Hey, come over here. Hey, look at here. And remember, Satan doesn't 
entice with a kick in the face. He doesn't say, hey, you're on the narrow path. Hey, walk with me and I'm going to kick you in the face every five minutes. No, he entices with candy. You see? Don't forget Satan is a fisherman too. And notice here that through the death of Jesus, in verse 14, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. In verse 15, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Whoa. I meant consider the addict. Consider the addict. I'll die without my sex. I'll die without my drugs. I'll die without my alcohol. The addict is convinced. I'll die without it. But his life testifies that he'll die with it. But there's only one way to have real freedom and real release. There's only one way. It's only found in Jesus. It's only found in Jesus. Now, to the addict, if you're listening and you're the addict, sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole nine yards. Whether it be one, the other, multitudes, to the addict, I say this. Believe. Straight up and cold turkey, believe. There is a better way. And that's the work of Jesus on the cross. His life of obedience, pleasing unto the Lord, a little uh, 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 lower than the angels. And through his death, that he might destroy, in verse 14, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release. You see? Who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. To be born into Adam is to be born into bondage. Born of the flesh. Living in the flesh. I mean, you hear us say, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, and that's speaking to the addict, and we give the example of the addict. But you say, wait a second, I don't do the sex, I don't do the drugs, I don't do the alcohol, I'm okay, I'm good to go. Well, wait a second. Born into Adam is born into bondage. Born into the flesh, which is why Jesus says, unless a man is born again, Unless a woman is born again. Unless a person is born again. There is no entry to the kingdom of heaven. You see? And that's what born again is. Born in the spirit and born of the spirit. You see? It's a straight up rescue mission. Jesus Christ rescue mission. Messengers of Jesus Christ, rescue mission. Fishers of men, fishers of women, young, old. A rescue mission. You see? Notice in verse 16, For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Remember Galatians 3 verse 29? And if you are Christ's, 
then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, remember in the pastoral epistles and not just in the pastoral epistles, but in Paul's letters too, and to the church and to the pastors, we see that there are effectuators of promise. Effectuators of promise. You see? Obedience unto the Lord. I mean, remember in, in, in just in Deuteronomy where the Lord says, listen, I will never forsake you. But in the same chapter, he says, okay, I'll forsake you. Did the Lord change his mind? No. The people changed their heart. In the same chapter, I will never forsake you. Boom, I will forsake you. The Lord didn't change his mind. The people changed their heart. Because what happens, you know, when the formula is right, I will never forsake you. You worship Baal, you worship the Molech, you worship the Asherah. Okay, boom. I'm going to forsake you. You see? We need to understand sound doctrine. Because what's happening in the church today is like, okay, look, the Lord, he's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. So I'll just go ahead and do my sex, my drugs, my alcohol, the whole nine yards, the Ouija boards. You see, the occult. Worship Mary, do my yoga. The Ouija boards. You know, the occult, witchcraft, Wicca. Worship Mary. Oh, because it is written, God will never forsake me. What about when saints forsake the Lord? You see? How does that happen? By having other gods. You see? Now you understand when Paul says these things of old were written for our admonition, for our warning. And it's so powerful because we understand here in verse 16 that he, indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. You see? Now, what is this aid? What is the form of this aid? And understand here in verse 17, therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a faith a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation propitiation is atonement atonement his atonement is by blood just as the old testament the passover lamb a male lamb without blemish you see and so, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, as is written here in verse 17, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For the sins of the people. Now, for example, say you and me are prisoners of war, we're POWs, and we're slaves. We can't free ourselves. But someone comes to rescue us, and we're rescued. And we fall in love with him. A deep, deep, profound love. And he's captain of our salvation. And that's what happens with Jesus Christ. 
You see? Born into Adam, born into bondage, born in Egypt. You see? And there's a straight up rescue mission. Exodus out of Egypt. The Old Testament testifies of these New Testament truths. New covenant truths. Things pertaining to God. Things pertaining to today. Things pertaining to the right here, the right now. Things pertaining to you. But the ball's in your court. God doesn't make robots. Ball's in your court. Ball's in your court. And who among us, as in verse 1 says, Therefore, we must, we must, we must give the more earnest heed, which is, remember, not just heed, not just earnest heed, more earnest heed. Who is it that will give exceedingly more attention, exceedingly more regard, and exceedingly more application of the truth of God's holy word to our lives and in our lives? Who is it? Because that's the way of the remnant. That's the way of the remnant. You see? In closing, look at verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Now, remember the empty tomb? Remember the empty tomb. understand Mary you know when now when you and we've referenced this before and if you've been walking with us for a while you remember our studies but I understand Mary you know but when you read when you read the gospels for the first time it's it's difficult to understand Jesus it's difficult to understand Jesus because remember there's the empty tomb and Mary's there and Mary, you know she holds on to Jesus. You know, this is Mary Magdalene, and she, she sees the empty tomb. And she, you know, once she realizes she sees a guy there, she doesn't realize it's Jesus. But when she sees the guy, and then she realizes it's Jesus, she grabs him. And I fully understand Mary. Fully, completely, I understand Mary to, to grab hold of Jesus and never want to let go. I fully understand that. But when Jesus says, Mary, let me go. It's like, wait a second, I don't get it. I thought it was good to hold on to Jesus. And he says to Mary, let me go. Remember, he goes on to say, I have not yet ascended to my father. And remember what he said to the disciples, you know, when, you know, before the cross, before the empty tomb and before the cross, that he will send the helper, the Paracletus. You see? That he will send the helper. When Mary holds on to him, Jesus says, Mary, you got to let me go. Because I have not yet ascended to my father. And Jesus, and you know, when he says that, you know, I, I'm going to go to my father. 
I'm going to go prepare a place for you. But, you know, I'm going to send you a helper, the Paracletus. I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. And as you grow and you mature in Christ, now, it's through growth and maturity that a person, a soul, male, female, young, old, that there begins to be the understanding of Jesus. To understand, okay, I understand why he says to Mary, you got to let me go. You see? I love that. He didn't like push her away and say, you know, get off of me. No. He says, Mary, you got to let me. Now, put yourself in Mary's sandals. How hard that would be. How difficult would that be? You're so in love with Jesus and you're holding on. You love him. I mean, you... He was on the cross. He was in the tomb. You see the empty tomb. And you're like, where, where, where did they take him? You know, did they take his body? Where did they take him? And then all of a sudden you see him walking. And to grasp onto, to fully understand me, I get it. I don't want to let Jesus go. And for Jesus to say, Mary, you got to let me go. And Mary does it. How powerful is that? I mean, that's powerful. That's hardcore to be so in love with Jesus and hold on to him. And then he says, you got to let me go. Picture how hard that would be for Mary. I mean, she's, she feels him. She feels her arms around him. She feels him. And to hear him say, Mary, you got to let me go. And for her to remember what he says about the Pericletus. I have not yet ascended to my father. And for her to remember and in obedience to him, loosen her grasp and let him go. You see? And these are things that we begin, we begin to understand even deeper through growth and maturity. And falling deeper and deeper and deeper in love with Jesus. Now, remember... That, uh, 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 that, that, uh, uh, that he doesn't give aid in verse 16. He does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham and understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's entirely possible to believe in Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Listen to our study through the book of Acts. You'll understand Acts chapter 8 specifically. To believe in Jesus and be baptized in Jesus without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see? And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's the paracletus. That's the aid and the help. The helper, capital H. You see? Because without the helper without the holy spirit 
A walk with Jesus is mere religion. But with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's a different ballgame. Because now you have gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit and you have people today saying, oh, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. You don't see the gifts and you don't see the power of the Holy Spirit like you see in the book of Acts. That was for that dispensation. It's not for today. You know what they're telling you? When you hear people say that, they're just like Acts chapter 8. They're just like Simon. They believe in Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You see? Those are the... Yeah, I mean, when Jesus speaks of the ten virgins and they all have oil, which is good. They're all virgins, which is good. They're all awaiting the bridegroom, which is good. But when they go to meet the, 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 the bridegroom, the five foolish, they run out of oil for their lamps. You see, the wise virgins, they've stored their oil. They have oil. Now, the, there's the ten virgins. People always, you know, the, the, the parable of the ten virgins and the five virgins are the most beautiful because they have plenty of oil for their lamps. And in that regard, I agree because it is written. But then the people who say that, you know, the, the power and the gifts and the moving of the spirit that was for two, that, that was for 2,000 years ago, it's not for today. That was for another dispensation. It's not for today. It's not for the here and now. I don't even place them in the category of the ten virgins. You know why? Because from the onset, they have no oil. They already have no oil. You see? They can speak all they want about, you know, the ten virgins and the five wise and the five foolish. They can speak all they want, but they're not even in that category. Because look what they say of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that was for 2,000 years ago. That was for another dispensation. It's not for today. And they're admitting to you that they have no oil. And if they have no oil... They have no light. And if they have no light, they are of the darkness. You say, whoa, that's hardcore. I can't believe you said that. Well, it is hardcore and I said it. You see? Number verse 10. Bringing many sons to glory. And in verse 8, that all things are under him, but not yet. You see? But not yet. Why? Opportunity. The opportunity, if you're listening and you still haven't heeded the prior call to repent and receive Jesus, well, opportunity. Do so right here, right now. Let today be the day of salvation. And you hit pause, you listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ, and you commit your life to Christ right here, right now, point blank, cold turkey. You see? And in so doing, fulfillment of verse 11, that the sanctifier and the sanctified are one. 
are one. You see? And this is the will of our Father in heaven. Hallowed be his name. To the beautiful, beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.